The Danger of Desertion, or A Farewell Sermon of Mr. Thomas Hooker, sometimes Minister of God's Word at Chainsford in Essex, but now of New England, preached immediately before his departure out of Old England. Together with ten particular rules to be practiced every day by converted Christians. Epistle to the Reader Christian reader, the author of this sermon, while he lived here among us, gave good proof of his solid judgment, astute wit, strong memory, honest heart, pious disposition, and utter detestation, as of profaneness, so of superstition. He was trained up in Emmanuel College, Cambridge, where he showed his indefatigable industry about his own studies and conscionable fidelity about his pupils and their studies. His opinion about the doctrine maintained in the Church of England since the Reformation thereof was orthodox, but his conscience about the discipline and ceremonies thereof was scrupulous, Yet so, as he loved such as he observed sincere and entire in the substance, that we differed from them in circumstances. Nor he, nor many of his brethren like him that were forced to leave old England, to enjoy the freedom of their tender consciences, deserted their places in any envy, hatred, or other like disrespect against the Church of England, like many rigid separatists who account of herself to be no church, and her ministers to be no ministers, but partly to enjoy a greater liberty to themselves than here they could, partly to propagate the gospel and make it known to such as had not heard of it before. Take instance of this author's disposition by his farewell sermon. Read it, and observe it well, and thou shalt find therein savory of piety mixed with sincerity, and of zeal with meekness. Read it, I say, and then censure it. It needs no other to commend it than itself, neither can any other do it better than itself. Mr. Hooker's Farewell Sermon At His Departure Out of England Jeremiah 14.9 At the latter end, We are called by thy name, leave us not. Two things are intended and expressed by the Holy Ghost, from the first verse to the thirteenth. First, a denunciation of judgment, and that reacheth to the seventeenth verse, and that is sword and famine. First, he would send the famine, and then the sword, and would not be entreated. Secondly, in the eighth verse, we have the importunate prayer of the church to turn away these judgments, and the prayer is marvelous sweet, partly in confession, where they confess their sins and seek to God for succor against them, as if they should say, Lo, we are as base as base can be, and therefore help for the Lord's sake. And thus they make their supplication in the seventh and eighth verses, And this short prayer discovers itself, partly in the things prayed for, and partly in the manner, and the holy prophet intending this is very sweet in it. First, they pray that God will not take away his presence from them. Why stayest thou but a night? 
as if he should say, It is marvelous strange that thou behavest thyself as a stranger. Thou seest our sorrows, and helpest not. Thou seest our trouble, and succorest not. Thou standest, and seest Jerusalem in trouble, and Judah in misery, but thou helpest not. It is strange that thou, the great God of hosts, standest as a man astonished. Thou hast received us, but now thou standest as a man amazed, as if thou wast weary of thy work, and couldst do no more. As if he should say, Jerusalem cannot be succored, and Judea cannot be saved. Secondly, they beg that God would not take away his presence from them. Leave us not to ourselves. Let us see thy face. If that we die in thy presence, though thou helpest not, yet it doth us good to look on a Saviour. They are acquainted first that thou art the hope of Israel. Alas, if thou forsake us, our hope is lost. Our hope is not in the means, our hope is in thee. Leave us not. Secondly, thou art the Saviour of Israel, and it is that thou takest upon thee, and thou hast made thyself a Saviour, and now is the time of trouble. Perform what thou hast undertaken. Thirdly, thou art in the midst of us, thou art a great comforter, ready to succor us. What wilt thou see us perish when thou art so near us? First Samuel 4, 6, even as the ark in the midst of the camp. As if he should say, he lives in the midst of us and will not save us. Fourthly, we are called by thy name. We have interest in thee. To whom should servants go for safety but to their master? To whom should the wise go but to her husband? We have interest in thee. Leave us not. Now we will meddle only with the latter clause. Leave us not. God might leave them, but they begged that he would not. That is, their amen to the petition, though thou standest by and wilt not help, yet let us not die in thy presence. This is the great request of the saints. They desire not to be left of God though God may justly leave them. Doctrine That God may justly leave off a people and unchurch a nation. Israel suspected it and feared it. It is that they prayed against, that God would not leave them. I do not say that God will cast off his elect eternally, but those that are only an outward covenant with him he may. Isaiah 1 2. Hear, O ye heavens, I have nursed up children, that is, the Jews. There is an outward vocation, and for such God may cast them off. Brethren, cast your thoughts afar off. What has become of those famous churches, Pergamus and Thyatira, and the rest? Who would have thought that Jerusalem should have been made a heap of stones and a vagabond people? Hosea 7.9 Plead with your mother, and call her Loami. Ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. Thus, as I may say, he sues out a bill of divorcement, 
as it was in the old law, but those that had anything against their wives sued out a bill of divorcement, and so doth God. Hosea 2.2 She is not my people, nor my beloved. Let her cast away her fornications and idolatry, lest I make her as at the first, that is, in Egypt, poor and miserable. As if he should say to England, Plead with England, my ministers, in the way of my truth, and say unto them, Let them cast away their rebellions, lest I make her as I found her in captivity in the days of bondage. Question. But how doth God depart from a people? Answer. 1. When he takes away his love from a people, and as his respect, so his means too. 2. When he takes away his protection by taking down the walls, that is, these two great means of safety, magistrates and ministers. 3. When instead of counseling, comes in bribing, and instead of teaching, daubing. When God either takes away the hedges, or the stakes are rotten, then God is going. 4. When God takes away the benefit of both these helps, and they are signs of God's departing. Use. May God cast off a people, an unchurch, a nation. Then let it teach us to cast off all security, for miseries are nigh by all probabilities. When we observe what God hath done for us, all things are ripe for ruin, and yet we fear it not. We promise safety to ourselves, and consider not that England is like to be harrowed. We cannot entertain a thought that England shall be destroyed, when there are so many professors in it. We cannot be persuaded of it. According to the conviction of our judgments, either it must not be, or not yet, as if it were impossible for God to leave England, as if God were a cockering father over lewd and stubborn children. God may leave a nation that is but an outward covenant with him, and why not England? England's sins have been great, yea, and their mercies great. England hath been a mirror of mercy, yet God may leave us and make us a mirror of his justice. Look how he spake to the people in Jeremiah 7, that bragged of the temple of the Lord, sacrifice and offerings. And what? May not God, which destroyed Shiloh, destroy thee, O England? Go to Bohemia, from thence to the Palatinate, and so to Denmark. Imagine you are there. What shall you see? Nothing else but, as travelers say, churches made heaps of stones. And those Bethels wherein God's name was called upon are made defiled temples for Satan and superstition to reign in. You cannot go two or three steps, but you shall see the heads of dead men. Go a little further, and you shall see their hearts picked out by the fowls of the air. Whereupon you are ready to conclude that Tully hath been there. Those churches are become desolate, and why not England? Go into the cities and towns, and there you shall see 
many compassed about with the chains of captivity, and every man bemoaning himself. Do but cast your eyes abroad, and there you shall see poor fatherless children sending forth their breaths with fear, crying to their poor helpless mothers. Step but a little farther, and you shall see the sad wife bemoaning her husband, and that is her misery that she cannot die soon enough, and withal she makes funeral sermons of her children within herself, for that the Spaniard may get her little ones and bring them up in popery and superstition. And then she weeps and considers with herself, If my husband be dead, it is well. Happily he is upon the rack or put to some cruel tortures. And then she makes funeral sermons and dies a hundred times before she can die. Cast your eyes afar off. Set your souls in their souls' stead, and imagine it were your own condition. Why may not England be thus? Who knows, but it may be my wife, when he hears of some in torments. Ah, brethren, be not high-minded, but fear. As we have this bounty on the one side, so may we have this severity on the other. Therefore prank not up yourselves with foolish imaginations, as who dares come to England? The Spaniards have enough, the French are too weak. Be not deceived. Who thought Jerusalem the Lady of Kingdoms, whether the tribes went to worship, should become a heap of stones, a vagabond people, and why not England? Learn, therefore, to hear and fear. God can be a God without England. Do not say there are many Christians in it. Can God be beholding to you for your religion? No, surely, for rather then he will maintain such as profess his name and hate him, he will raise up of these stones children unto Abraham. He will rather go to the Turks and say, You are my people, and I will be your God. But will you let God go, England? Why are you so content to let him go? Oh, lay hold on him, yea, hang on him, and say, Thou shalt not go. Do you think that Rome will part with her religion and forsake her gods? Nay, an hundred would rather lose their lives. Will you let God go? Oh, England, plead with your God, and let him not depart. You should only part with your rebellions, he will not part with you. Leave us not. We see the church is very importunate to keep God with them still. They lay hold on God with words of argument. Thou, hope of Israel, do not leave us. They beset God with their prayers, and watch him at the town's end, that he might not go away. No, thou shalt not go away, thou shalt abide with us still. They are importunate with God not to leave them. Hence, note this doctrine, that it is the importunate desire of saints to keep God with them. This people, you see, cared not so much for the famine and sword, so God leaves them not. Good Lord, leave us not. This was their prayer, and we cannot blame them, all things being considered, for it was their grief that God stood by and would not help, why standest thou as a man astonished 
But, good Lord, leave us not. They cannot abide to hear of that, much less to bear it. Thus they did, and thus the saints of God should do. For the proof, see Exodus 33.15. There Moses might have gone up upon fair terms. Thou shalt possess the land, and peace and prosperity shall be with thee. But what says Moses? If I might have Canaan, and all the delights, yet carry us not hence, except thy presence be with us. Psalm 80, 7 and 19. This is the stay and string that he sticks on. Turn us again, O Lord God of hosts, and cause thy face to shine upon us. As if he should say, Here is prosperity. Objection. But what is the presence of God? Answer. In one word, it is the particular favor of God expressed in his ordinances, and all the good and sweet that followeth there. The purity of God's word in worship is that which God reveals himself in. It is not gold, wealth, and prosperity that makes God to be our God. There is more gold in the West Indians than in all Christendom besides, but it is God's ordinances and the virtue of them that brings God's presence. God forsook Shiloh where he dwelt because his ordinances were not there, Psalm 78.5. When the ark left them, God left them. When God's ordinances were there in the purity of them, then God was there, for he is principally there where his ordinances are in the purity of them. Hence it was that Cain was cast out of God's presence because he was cast out of the church where his ordinances were. Genesis 4.14 If that a people do outwardly worship God, and sincerely mend things that be amiss, they may continue. If Sodom and Gomorrah had but legally repented, they had remained to this day. Hence it is that the saints of God are so urgent for God's services, and in that most men so slight them. While it is thus with us, is not England ripe? Is not she weary of God? Nay, she is fed fat for the slaughter. It was not so with the saints and people of God in former times, Psalm 34, 4. It was David's great and grand desire that he might dwell in the house of the Lord, Psalm 42, 4. His soul panted after God's ordinances. The point teacheth us thus much that the saints are wondrous importunate to keep God in his ordinances. Objection. But what if a man want preaching? May he not want it and yet go to heaven? The arguments are clear. The saints maintain God and his ordinances, the want of which is under the penalty of death and condemnation. Gold cannot feed a hungry man, but bread he would have because he hath need of. So the saints of God are marvelous importunate to keep God in his ordinances, so that though they wear a ragged coat or be pinched with hunger, yet they want God more than these, either food or raiment. David, in the 37th Psalm, fretteth at the prosperity of the wicked, but at the last breaks off, 
and mark what a conclusion he makes, and comes to, Whom have I in heaven but thee? As if he should have said, Let them have what they will, I have nothing but thee. Why so? Thou art the strength of my heart, and my portion for ever. Thou art the strength of the heart, showing that all things in the world cannot help the heart without God. A man were as good to offer iron to a hungry man to refresh him, or air to feed him, as to say riches, ease, and honor will help thy distressed soul. These will never establish a man. He may hope to have comfort in them, but his soul shall be graveled and troubled. It must be the God of peace that must speak peace to a troubled soul. It must be the God of salvation that can comfort a damned soul. That kindness will comfort, that is, the strength of the heart and portion forever, and then no marvel the soul call for God. The soul cares not, though happily the purse be filled, for it cries and sighs, I am damned. Happily the palate may be pleased, but the poor soul cries, I may go to hell and to the devil. Now God comes, and he supplies all, for where he comes there is every good gift. If once a man hath God, he hath all good things with him. God blessed Obadiah's house for the ark's sake. Now the ark was a type of Christ. Where he comes, all good things follow. When God comes, we are married unto him. Hosea 2.19 As when a wife is married, her husband is hers. So God and all is thine. And what wouldst thou have more? He speaks to the rain, and it hears the corn and wine, and that hears Israel. Hell and death are thy servants, but now you that have outward things, prophets and prosperity, etc., you have them with a curse, unless you have God with them. Get God, therefore, if he forsakes a man, all miseries befall him, and then woe be to him. Hosea 9.13 Ah, it is true indeed, Woe be to that heart which God has departed from. When God, who is the God of mercy, has gone away from him, who will pity that soul that will not submit to God's peace, consolation, and salvation? When God departeth, all miseries follow on amain. When the banks are broken down, the sea breaks forth, so when God departs, all miseries come. For that man that makes no conscience of outfacing God and his ordinances, mark what the text saith. Deuteronomy 31.37 I will forsake them, and many miseries shall befall them. If God be gone, the floodgates are drawn dry, and in comes all misery. You will say, Are not all these things against us, seeing God is not with us? If we would avoid woe and sorrow and killing and slaying one another, would the women be glad to see their husbands killed before their tender eyes, the men to see the women taken out of the world by the hands of wicked men? If not, then, leave not God. But hold him fast, then all evil will depart, and so holding God he will keep us from misery. Use To condemn two sorts of people 
If the saints be marvelous important to have God with them, what shall we think of those that are weary of the Almighty, who say to him, Depart from us? But you will say, Such are to be chronicled. We have none such among us. Thou that art a servant, and rejectest thy master's command, thou rejectest God. Why should a man say that they be so long and so long in prayer, and say what man knows not what he says? He speaks this because that he is weary of the ordinances, and would be freed from them, and God will do it one day. Alas, poor soul, that thou couldest pity thy condition, Thou art weary of God's ordinances, weary of God's mercies, weary of his patience and presence. Thou shalt one day be deprived of his presence, and shut up with the haters of God and goodness in the black tophet, where the worm never dies, nor the fire never goes out. Then thy crying will do thee no good. God will be God in thy destruction." He will spurn thousands and ten thousands, such as thou art, down to hell, where thou shalt be an everlasting object of his never-dying wrath. Though thou couldst scale the heavens with thy tears and shrill voice, though thou couldst be heard to cry out of the dungeon, yet thy help is never the nearer, thy God is gone. I admonish thee what to do. Lay thee down, and patiently endure his deserved wrath. Nay, mark what I say, a hundred hells thou hast deserved, and in those hells to lie a hundred years, nay, forever. Hold thyself contented with thy condition, for thou hast chosen death rather than life. Jeremiah 31.8 God should wrong himself in thee, if that he did not give thee thy choosing. Will not these things move you, my brethren, that you may be so happily wise as to choose life rather than death? Lord, grant it, for he delights not in your destruction. One word more, to leave impression in your hearts. I desire your soul's health, though my meat seem bitter. Yet it is the mind of God it should be so. And therefore thou, man or woman, whosoever thou art that canst not abide preaching, but standest on thorns to have the sermon done, that sayest too much of one thing is good for nothing, thou doest as good as say, what need have we of that, a little of that, and more of pleasure, here is thy delight and desire. Know this, whosoever thou art, that hast ill will to the ordinances of God, Thou wouldest have no such gospel, thou shalt have thy desire. When the trumpet shall blow, thy ears shall tingle with that sentence, Depart from me. Thou that art weary of God, get thee down to hell, I say. God will set his teeth at thee, and stamp thee down to hell with thy base lusts. Then will God say, I have fed thee on earth this twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, perhaps sixty years, and yet my mild words could not bear rule in thee, or prevail with thee, and now get thee to hell, and there remain forever. Think this with thyself, God will so serve thee, proud captain, king, or monarch, Isaiah thirty thirty three. The text saith, 
He will make bonfires upon their bones about their ears. Thus he will get himself glory by your destruction. But you will say to me, being a king or monarch, I do not fear any such punishment shall befall me, but God shall say, be he a king that rules or reigns, yet as he hath rejected God, so God will reject him. He is a king of kings and lord of lords, and therefore such a one as will laugh at thy destruction. Take notice of this, and say thus to yourselves, Is he a good child that cannot abide the presence of his father? Is she a good wife that cannot abide the presence of her husband? So is he a good creature that cannot abide the presence of his creator. Use 2. This rebukes God's own people. We see the gospel going, brethren. I wonder you hear no better. Stand up and hear, and God give you grace to understand. I deal plainly with you, and tell you what God hath told me. I must tell you, on pain of damnation, you will give ear and believe. I, poor ambassador of God, am sent to do this message unto you. Though I am low, yet my message is from above. He that sent me, grant that it may be believed for his sake." Suppose God hath told me this night that he will destroy England and lay it waste. What say you, brethren, to it? It is my message that God bade me do. He expects your answer. What sayest thou, O England? I must return an answer to my master that sent me tonight. Why speak you not an answer? I must have one. Do you like well of it? Would you have England destroyed? Would you put the old men to trouble and the young men to the sword? Would you have your women, widows, and your maids defiled? Would you have your children, your dear ones, to be thrown upon the pikes and dashed against the walls? Or would you have them brought up in idolatry under the want of preaching, which is worst of all? Would you see those temples wherein we worship God burnt and your own houses? Will you see England laid waste without inhabitants? Are you willing to it? Are you content? God bade me ask, why do you not answer me? I must not stir without it. I must have it. I am an importunate ambassador. Send me not away sad. Speak comfortably and cheerfully unto me. Are you willing to have God with you still? You are, are you not? I am glad of it. But you must not only say so, but use the means, plead with God. And though his hand be up and his sword drawn, yet suffer him not to destroy, but to sheath it in the blood of our enemies, God grant it. And I should be glad to see England flourish still. And so are you, are you not? You are. Now if it come to pass that England be not, but destroyed and laid desolate, Thank yourselves, and not God. He delights not in it. We may take up the complaint of the prophet, Isaiah 64, 7, No man stirs up himself to lay hold upon God. For this is our misery. If we can have quietness and commodity, we are well enough. Thus we play mock holy day with God. The gospel, we make it our pack horse. God is going. His glory is departing. 
England hath seen her best days, and now evil days are befalling us. God is packing up his gospel, because nobody will buy his wares, nor come to his price. Oh, lay hands on God, and let him not go out of your coasts. He is a-going, stop him, and let not thy God depart. Lay siege against him, with humble and hearty closing with him. Suffer him not to say, as if that he were going, Farewell, or fare ill, England. God hath said he will do this, and because that he hath said it, he will do it. Therefore prepare to meet thy God, O England. Amos 4.12 Lest God complain of thee as he did of Jerusalem, let my soul depart from thee, and I make thee a desolate land not inhabited. Thus we see what the godly hath done, and this must be our care. But let it be our copy. Clasp about the Lord Jesus as Mary did. They have broken the ice. Let us go after them. This is our atonement day. We have nothing to do with tomorrow. This is the day of reconciliation. We are at odds with God. And to end all controversies, let us labor to prevail with God and never lose his presence. I sought, but I found him not. Canticles 3.2 And when I found him not, I followed and sought him, till that I found him. Our God is going, and do you sit still on your beds? Would you have and keep the gospel with these lazy wishes? Arise, arise, and down on your knees, and entreat God to leave his gospel to your posterity. Shall we disinherit our infants of such a blessing? Shall we bereave them of the gospel, which should be the life of our lives, and so to have them brought up in superstition? No, Lord, we cannot endure this. Give us not health or wealth, but give us thy gospel, Lord. That is our plea. And when we have found God, let us bring him home to our families, that as we have made him our God, so let him be the God of ours in time of affliction." We will cry, Lord, have mercy upon us. Then we shall be glad of him. O oh, beloved, carry God home with you. Lay hold on him. Let him not go. Say he is our husband. Let him not go for your little ones, and so let us leave God to be a father unto thee. Objection. But how may we keep the Lord? It is worth the while, it is comfortable, for at his right hand are pleasures for evermore. Answer, if you will come to the price, you shall have him. The means are these. First, you must prepare room for him, for he is a king, and a king sends an harbinger before him to prepare room for him against he comes to any place. So must you do by cleansing yourselves from every evil course. Therefore come out of her, saith the Lord to his people. Touch no unclean thing, and then I will be your God, and you shall be my people. Revelation 18.19 So, brethren, come out of all evil, sinful pleasures and practices, and then you may expect God's coming into your houses. When you sit by the fire, and when you lie upon your beds— 
Think thus with yourselves, what an equal condition doth he propound? Doth he require no more but to part with a sin, a lust, a Delilah? Which thou mayest spare as well as water out of thy shoes, or out of thy bosom. Yea, it is so. Will God keep company in the paths of sin? What? Is this his proffer? What? Are the terms no harder? What then should I do but bid adieu? Would you have God to be your God, and will you not keep out of sin? If not, he will not be your God. But now let every soul forsake his uncleanness, and God will come to that soul. And therefore that place is marvelous sweet. Isaiah 58, 8. You shall call, and God shall say, Here I am, if that you will forsake your evil courses. Thus you see you have as fair an offer, as fair a warning as God can propound. Second. As you must prepare room for God, so you must give him content. Let him have his will. Where the king comes, there he will have all according to his mind. So it is with God. If he may have his own worship, you please him well. You must dress his dish according to his tooth. But when you put poison into his meat, you discontent him. Then you do not give him his mind. You must lay aside all superstition and errors. Then you please his tooth above all. When your soul submit to his truth, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. This is not meant of the word Jesus to give a bow with the knee and a stab at the heart. If so, why do we not bow at the word Jehovah as at the word Jesus? But the bowing at the word, the syllable, is idolatry. And here we do not give him his mind, but the meaning of it is that we should worship him in spirit and in truth. Third, as we give him his mind, so we must give him welcome also in entertainment. If you look lowering towards him and grudge at him in his truth, no wonder but he go away. This is the sin of England. We bear an ill will to God in his word. God hath done much for us of this land. What could he have done more for his vineyard? Isaiah 5, verse 4. But it brought forth fruit contrary to his expectation. And therefore mark what he saith, I will take away the hedge thereof, it shall be trodden down. So will it be with us. Are we better than the old world? The same sins that were found in them are found in us. Sodom and Gomorrah, on whom God rained fire and brimstone, are not our sins as great? And are there not as great sins in us as were in Jerusalem that was carried away captive? Are we better than other churches? Than our brethren that have drunk so deeply of the cup of God's wrath? What are we? I will tell you, we are a burthen to God. He cannot bear us. He will think his pains well over when he hath destroyed us. You know all men are glad when their pains are over. So it is with God. We are a pain and a trouble to him. And why should God go continually in pain and trouble with us who are worthy to be destroyed? 
If his decree once come forth, then shall England seek peace, and shall not find it. God will not pity us, as in Isaiah 7.25. Ah, brethren, what a heavy case is it when a merciful God doth show himself unmerciful, when a patient God will be impatient. Oh, beloved, there is a hard time befalling us of England, yet we consider it not. Lamentable is our time. God wept over Jerusalem a long time. Oh, that thou hast known this day the things that belong to thy peace, but now they are hid from thy eyes. So may I say to England, Their Lord hath wept over it in mercy and patience a long time, but it hath not been taken notice of. God hath hid it from our eyes. What shall we do when his mercy is turned into fury, and his patience into frowning? What shall we do when we have leisure to consider what once we did enjoy? We can never prize God's patience till that we find the great want of it. Thus, then, the poor soul will say, There was a time when we might have been at peace with this patient God, but now it is hid from our eyes. I might have had mercy, but now the gate is shut, and not only shut, but locked and barred too. Thus, when people refuse mercy, he sends the contrary judgment, and then it will grieve and wound our souls to think what once we did enjoy. But that man will bid God welcome to his heart, may go singing to his grave. Fourth, you must be importunate with him to stay and to continue, and count it a great favor that he will yet be entreated. Isaiah 37 Jacob wrestled with God, and thus must we do if we mean to keep him. You that live under the means and will not walk in them, what great condemnation will be to you over to them that have not the means? As it is said of Capernaum, Matthew 18.10, So say I to England, Thou England which wast lifted up to heaven with means shalt be abased and brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in India or Turkey, they would have repented ere this. Therefore Capernaum's place is England's place, which is the most insufferablest torment of all. And mark what I say, the poor native Turks and infidels shall have a cooler summer parlor in hell than you. For we stand at a high rate, we were highly exalted, Therefore shall our torments be the more to bear. The Lord write these things in our hearts with the finger of his own spirit for his Christ's sake, under whom we are all covered. This audio recording was read by Michael Ives. I hope you found it enlightening and edifying. Visit westportexperiment.com for more audio resources and where I write about parish missions, the care of souls, and all things reformed.